0: Hey folks, welcome to the show. Today um, we have a very special show uh, because what uh, show? Leslie's going to um, talk about uh, King, Tut. King, Tut. Um, King Tut. Tut. He's my favorite hunky. And today is November 3rd, and I had, I'm going to give this to Mark to read, and I thought today would be appropriate because... Mm-hmm. Why? I'll yes, tell you why. Why? Because it's King Tut Day today. That's right. Is it? This holiday is always observed on November 4th. King Tut Day. A November 4th holiday celebrates the date of the discovery of Egyptian King Tutankhamun's tomb. Go. I now know how to say that. Over 3,000 years ago, King Tutankhamun became the king of Egypt at the age of nine.
1: He did not.
0: When I was I was telling Mike earlier, when I was a kid on Atari, we had a we had a game that when I was you know eight nine ten years old and we play that and we didn't know any better, we called it because We didn't know how to pronounce it. So <laughs> oh, now whenever I, I see that. the whenever I see the name Tutankhamen, you, you I think Tutankhamen.
1: You can unleash the evil uh, spirit in, the, it wrong. in the
0: Atari game. Was there a mummy? I have no recollection. That was three hundred years ago. But I just remember. I just remember Tutankhamen. That's all I remember about it. Tutankhamen. So that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. So, take it away, Leslie. Hi, everyone. Of course, let let us know who Tutankhamen is for folks who have not seen like the mummy movies and such.
2: Sure, he was. He was. (laughs) You were around when he was reigning, right? Stop.
3: (laughs) He actually was a pharaoh, ancient Egypt. Died young. Not really remarkable at all, uh, except. His tomb was found pretty much intact. Uh, his tomb is questionable. They th- actually think it was s- he died quickly and he was put into someone else's. But the whole story goes back to in elementary school. Our class took a field trip to the Toledo Museum of Art, mm-hmm. world-renowned museum. Great. And this was maybe in the fifth grade. For fifth graders, it was a very limited tour. You know. Um, you don't have a lot of time to keep fifth graders interested, and you can't take their giggling in a gallery that has nudes in it. Giggling in the gallery. <laughs> and giggling you know, it's, in it's the galleries. museum It's big and echoey, and, and they right. want to put their hands then, on stuff. And they're, you know, they're watching yep. you all the time, the whole bit. Well, one gallery we were allowed to visit was, as all kids called it, the mummy room. Mm-hmm. Because they actually had mummies on display. The the
1: mummy, mummy. Was it always up and to the right, like it like it's, it is now? Um, up the stairs and to the right?
3: Going in the front or the back?
1: Going in the back.
3: Going in the back, yes. Up into
1: the right, yeah. Yes. I never went in through the front. I always went oh, through the back.
3: Oh, same here. Yep. Well, at the end of the day, we got to visit the, the museum's bookstore. Mm-hmm. The, the mm-hmm. gift shop. Yep. And I bought one thing. A small paper-bound book about mummies probably 95 cents i don't know <laughs> but i still have it and their resident mummies were regularly on display until mm. i don't know many years ago um but a couple of years ago they got them out again yes. And of course, I had to go visit my old friends. They put them in this very small room with extremely low light. It was all, it was a dark room essentially. It, yeah. Yes, yes. But I took that opportunity to see them again and test the newly re released T Max three thousand two hundred. It was it was perfect. It really was. So, thus, in fifth grade, my love for the life and the art of ancient Egypt bloomed. Of course, with one's love for a subject like this came a few quality coffee table books, some exclusively on the discovery of King Tutat Commons, um, tomb contents, the whole event of discovering it, all those goods, anything I get my hands on. And the images in those books are nothing less than perfection. This is 19. 19- When this tomb was discovered You know what, (laughs) me, me of all people Shame on me I never went beyond the images to explore the photographer And my love for photography is even older than my personal Egyptian revival As we all did during COVID, watching some YouTube one day And it had a suggested video from Time Life Which Mike and I watch a lot of uh, documentaries on that They're really very good Mm Mm-hmm Timeline, not time life. I'm sorry. Oh, Timeline, time yes, line, yes, yes. The name of it was the photographs that brought Tutankhamen to life. The man who shot Tut.
2: Born from the darkest tomb of the pharaohs, it rises from the quiet dust of centuries to wreak a strange vengeance against mankind. The mummy.
3: It introduced me to Harry Burton one of the finest archaeological photographers of his time. It was a fascinating way to spend an hour. I was just like bolded to it. The documentary is really not only for those who love the event, the discovery of the tomb, but also about him and his equipment, which of course was large format, and the adverse conditions that he shot in, which was the desert essentially. For those of you that love ASMR, there's some quality large format ASMR in this video. What is ASMR? is. I'm um, awake. What
0: is
1: ASMR?
3: Audio. Uh,
1: Auditory uh, something s- uh, meridian response.
3: It's when um, someone reads a book and they turn the page. And oh. Oh. The nice
1: crunchy audio. Yes,
3: yeah. but you know he would pull the cover out uh, on his film holder and it would make that wonderful sound. What, what's this on again? This is timeline.
1: Timeline is it? Is it a network or? YouTube. Oh, just YouTube channel. I watched okay. it on
3: YouTube. All right. The um, documentary highlights him, not really so much the discovery of the tomb, but the photographer, Harry Burton, and his working relationship with Carter, who was the number one guy that did the exploration, and Lord Carnarvon, who was the guy that financed this, <laughs> whose castle is the primary location, filming location of Downton Abbey. I'm in. Well <laughs> we don't get to see any of that, sorry, but and also for you gearheads, this is what made this great. The equipment he used was a Sinclair Alma U.N.A. It was a half plate camera, so he was shooting. Oh yeah, s- plate six and a half inch by four and a half inch, or 121 mil- millimeters by 165. So this was 1922. It'll be 100 years old this November. He added light to these dark chambers. He had to think about, you know, just didn't haul your electric lights down there. What was there? Was used for their exploration, so he had to take things like mirrors and things like that to throw back in the shadows to get the lighting that he needed. Wow. And it's just, I give this guy just like so much credit. He even had this is just so cool. He had his own darkroom out there. We well, had mm. to, to yeah. in another tomb, in another tomb. And even though acetate celluloid type mm-hmm. of film was available then,
1: no, it was all that was all nitrate film, wasn't it?
3: It could be, yeah. but he felt. That glass was superior.
1: It was until at least the forties, yeah.
3: And like I said, and then it was so. So even though these are all black and white, later they colorized them and made lantern slides out of them for a public lecture and things like that. They are still today extremely valuable research tools due to their resolution and their detail. And really, up until about uh, twenty sixteen, they still surpassed any flat imaging captures amazed at these facts he shot not on not only all over scenes but he would do close-up works of the finds and he would also shoot the people involved in the exploration so he covered it all well in this um documentary a modern photographer reproduced the process of shooting in those conditions and this is just like oh man this is so cool one thing he noted was the dust-free glass plates he kept burton kept him dust free and you get dust from the loading process and that type of thing. And he was loading this stuff in an underground, right? You know, cave essentially, <laughs> tomb. And this guy was actually unable to keep his negatives as clean as Burton. Hmm. He set up this temporary darkroom very close to the tomb to load his plates and to process his negatives. Carter had a home a few miles from the site, but that wasn't close enough for Burton. Timing was important. It's been there, what, 2,000 years? Now (laughs) timing's a deal. But uh, Carter would not move on with the exploration until the previous day's images were processed and approved. Burton used the nearby tomb of a KV-55, which was an Armenian cache, to locate his temporary dark room in. It was literally just meters from the tut entrance. Today it's a closed site. It's only opened with special permission. In 1990 it was surveyed and they found glass shards in there. And I'm thinking those befores or afters? Did you drop <laughs> it while loading or dropped bad, it? Bad
1: plate. Yeah, yep. Yeah,
3: it's, it's the perfect one. I, ever The lighting was great. Oh, dang it. So anyway, and they noted that everything let's think about this everything needed to be supplied from a remote location not only materials of like boxed plates those were heavy but the camera gear the chemistry the water all had to be everything had to be brought in i found this timeline episode not only entertaining but i really gained a great appreciation for burton and his photographic technical perfection and the pressure that he worked under, you know. So they did do a full shooting with the proper equipment. They processed it in the tomb and re- re-enacted everything. Even the setup of the picture that he was duplicating. Oh, the wow. yeah, people that's... that were doing the exploration. I love that obsessive-compulsive type of Oh, stuff. man, yes. <laughs> and even though, you know, this was Carter's discovery, the images that Burton made were made available to the world. As they should. And that began another era of what I call Egyptomania. <laughs> and if you remember, kind of the design of some of that stuff—the lotus blossoms and things like that—started the whole Art Deco movement.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, my, oh God. my God! I know. Not, I know. To, mention I know. Not to mention the Universal, Universal Mummy series.
2: It walks through bullets like a ghost.
0: <laughs> <The> mummy.
2: <laughs> With Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah. Started with Boris Karloff. Yes. who dat? the the Is Boris he Karloff. Karloff. Oh, no, stop! Fraser's father, I'm kidding. Okay.
3: <laughs> anyway, Burton continued to be a premier uh, archaeological. I'm older than you are. Anyway, Yes. Burton continued to be a premier archaeological photographer until his death in 1940. If you just like to, s- if you have the Egyptian bug, if you just have watching how vintage camera equipment was used, all of the above, I think it really is well worth the watch. While you In were there? describing oh, this, I oh, already oh, added oh, it to oh. a
1: playlist. It's already there.
3: Where can I find this? Sorry. It's on YouTube. On YouTube. YouTube. Okay. yeah. So check on the timeline. This. Cha- oh, sorry. Oh, check this out. Wait, is that an original? Yes, it is. Wow. I found this, this um, uh, full plate image of the Great Pyramid at Giza with the the Sphinx, and three ladies, they look well-to-do on they, camels. They and this had to be, I would bet, after Tut's, the time kind of fits correctly for the plate size. And what's,
2: No, go ahead. I, I was going to say what's really interesting. So at it, it, this point, I'm assuming this is from the early 20s. That's,
3: I'm thinking after Tut's discovery. Yeah. Okay. To bring in the... So it would have been mid-20s, mid to late 20s. Mm-hmm.
2: Because these women are really well-to-do and they're not... I mean, I don't know that you can ride English saddle oh. on a camel. My guess is you can't because there's a hump, but like... How scandalous these women are riding! Not except for this one, except for the what looks to be the oldest woman. Give me. She's she's sort of riding side saddle English style. Which
3: someone had given me a uh, gift certificate to our local um, uh, antique mall. Oh God, there's Jeffries. There's Jeffries. There's nothing nothing I need, nothing I want, and I saw that picture. Gotta have it. Gotta have it. Putting this hanging, framing it, and putting it in the mecca, my studio. So
1: that picture is from a negative or a glass negative? Where is it? Yeah, like it this, is a, this it? is a contact print from a glass negative. You can mm-hmm. tell it's glass because it has a rounded chip corner and no registration marks for the. Uh, how many? The, yeah. How many prints do you think were made?
3: I have no idea. Well, this would have been private. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was probably the tour group, right. That offered the camels and the. Um, uh, Guides uh, and all your that guides stuff. and yeah. your handlers and all that. So they probably offered that. I doubt that very many, oh, maybe each of those ladies got a couple, you know, to take home and that kind of thing.
1: So this is something that the viewers at home aren't, gonna, or the listeners at home aren't going to be able to appreciate as much. But this is such a silver-rich paper it that this is, is on. Do you yes. see the tarnishing? This looks yes. like this is a silver platter. <laughs> now, because this is so is so well silvered, you could probably rehumidify this very carefully in a room for a while and then drop it into some selenium toner and really pop this thing back up to its original wow. beauty. Would
2: that, oh, so that would. What, what would that do?
1: So you see how it's tarnishing right, right. there? Right. That, that can get rid of some of the tarnish. Gotcha. You okay. can, there is chemical treatment you can do for that, but okay. it's very risky. But it is. It's. Worth attempting because this stock, I mean, I have never seen, because I came into the, the printing game really late, a paper that has this much silver oh. in it. Just oh, up.
3: yes. We, we, had a, we called it silvering out. Yeah, but makes that's it like. It makes it hard unless you know what you're doing. If people bring them in, they want scans of them. Yeah. There are, there are ways to do it. I have my little secret methods, but. Um, you do
1: the the uh, scan and flip and do multiple passes to the light source, no, crisscrosses, that, none of that? that okay, okay, no, okay. No, no. Curves. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, it is a little easier now, but when I had to do them in camera with film. Oh, forget it. You yeah. really had to use your little mm-hmm. sneaky methods. But I just, I love that print and I... That's a great uh, print. You can take it off. I just put it to fit into... And like too.
1: goes hand in hand with what you're saying. It's so incredibly clean.
3: Yes. I
1: mean, if you look at any of mine, I'm Dust yeah, City. In
2: a desert.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, and it, Yeah, my stuff from Joshua Tree, pff, it's got half the desert in it.
3: And I would imagine the lights that they used were probably gas powered don't you think oh, probably. I'm um sure. like a like um what am i thinking a fuel oil type of light kerosene unless unless would they had generators at the time to generate a little bit of electricity uh, in, e- in
1: egypt i doubt it
3: that would have been gas powered it was
1: i wonder if it's just candle
3: i don't think for the um
1: like the dark room <laughs>
3: i don't maybe the dark room but i don't think for the actual working itself in the in the tomb oh no not they there they had they had lights but
2: this i just and i just watched uh Death on the Nile. Did you? Yeah. Which so that's I've like been meaning to. I feel like oh, this could be a still from that. You didn't like it, Mike. It's
0: like watching a video game. Okay. How much? Oh,
2: yeah. It, it was all CGI. The shots How much were How like much
1: video worth? game. I think that's I probably, probably worth a decent for... amount of money. Hey, you no, know, where's the crosstalk?
3: <laughs> I paid between twenty five and thirty four. Well, where are the I think crosstalk a yeah, between twenty five and. I have looked at this thing with a loop.
1: I well, yeah, it's. And that's not a display. That's eight by ten, isn't it? So what we're, uh,
0: we're talking about is shorter. an eight by ten yes. contact print from a glass negative mm-hmm. of a, a very rich tour group that went. What year do you think that was?
3: I'm going to say it's after Tet, so after 22, but not too far into. It was, the was a chic thing, no, glass thing to was
1: go standard to to by pros uh, international until at least uh, safety film came out. So okay. th- this
0: oh. eight by ten, you're saying has a lot of silver in it, and you're saying. Oh, by what means would less like who would Leslie send it to to uh, refurbish that print?
1: There's very few places that will that will recommend chemically refurbishing because it's a very risky process. You mm-hmm. can actually lose the image uh, mm-hmm. in doing so. But a simple rehydrate and tone could pop it a little bit more, um, and that's less risky. But it, is, it isn't a double-weight paper. That is a single-weight paper, so it's— it feels it? pretty heavy. Do you think, Leslie? Do you think that print is about oh, no, eighty years
3: eight. old? I'm sorry, it's just really flat. Mm-hmm. I would say yes, easily. Yeah, yeah it's it's an older 20. one, but
1: I mean, most prints that are even half that age, Mike, they look. Blue mm. turquoise from yeah, all the tur- they can. Yeah. Had
3: this been washed longer, we mm-hmm. would not have seen it. And most of this came up probably in the first ten years of its life. Yeah, stuff happens quick, and then
2: really it's right. slows down. It's too bad there's no names on the back, but it's a it gorgeous,
1: was, gorgeous print.
0: It's
3: just. um
0: So Leslie, if folks want to see, is. if folks want to see more about um, shooting. Toot uncommon, yes. Uh, you're recommending, is there a documentary on YouTube about that, or was that just a general doco about
3: It is a Timeline documentary, and it is titled The Photographs That Brought Tutankhamen to Life. On the Timeline
1: YouTube channel, so I just yes. checked it from mobile. They're prolific. I didn't, I can't oh, yes. I didn't know about Wonderful that channel. Yes. So this was a while ago, but if you go to their their page they also have a really helpful playlists tab under playlists they have one that says photo documentary there's only one in there and that's that's the one this is it thank you leslie you're welcome this is great we'll be right back
2: it sees without eyes it lives without breath yet its desires are strangely madly human the motion picture screen's most shocking experience in suspense in chilling technicolor the mummy
0: Hey we're, back. hey, we're back. I want to thank everyone for joining us. This has been a very special program, King Tut Day. King Tut, right? King Tut. And Buried for fo- in this King Tut. For folks who don't know, you could go on, you know, a Spotify or YouTube and look up Steve Martin King Tut. For those of you who do not know, that Steve Martin had a like probably probably a top ten hit. It was a big yeah. hit. Yeah, in 1977, 78. Mm. called King Tut check it out. So uh, you can always reach us podcast at filmphotographyproject.com mm. And we hope to uh, see everyone soon. Goodbye. <laughs>